Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Happy football season. Coulter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com, coming to you, I guess, about a week out from opening day for both Montana and Montana State. Uh, we're happy to be back. Year nine, covering the Big Sky Conference at Skyline Sports. And uh, this will be year 17 for me. That's crazy. I, I think that means I'm finally old. 36, you know, here we go. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun year. I know college football at large is just cratering, evolving, whatever you want to call it, in a decent spot, at least for right now, in the Big Sky Conference. And uh, I think Montana, Montana State have to capitalize on this time. What a better time to make runs at national championships before maybe this level of football or a playoff system in general that's available for teams at this level. I don't know. We'll see how it all falls, uh, how all the chips may fall, but wild times, but I think this Big Sky football season is going to be great. So we're rolling out this series of podcasts, some of the best in the business uh, in covering uh, both Montana and Montana State. So uh, we talked to our old buddy Kyle Sample, longtime contributor at Skyline Sports, Went through just some of the ins and outs of the uh, DUI cases at Montana State. How do you report on those cases, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, now we're going to just have various people that cover uh, these teams sort of on the beat, right? So to, to our latest edition of our Beat Writer series or our media series, I keep calling it the Beat Writer series because that's what we called it forever. But now it's just various people in various realms of media, TV, radio, newspapers, whatever. Um our latest edition, Tom Stuber of Skyline Sports. He's done a great job covering the Cats for us for the last couple of years. And uh, he's been itching to talk some football. And uh, he's a fun guy to talk football with. He's, he's been around the game a lot. He's covered a lot of football games uh, between his roles at the Helena Independent Record and the Associated Press. And uh, now recently with us here at Skyline. Thrilled to have him. Uh, great writer. Uh, he loves it. And uh, he, he's super into it. And uh, it's good to have him aboard. So we appreciate Tom. For all his contributions, and uh, this is a fun conversation. Always get good getting different perspectives, right? Like myself and my brother, we talk a lot about it, but you've heard us talk so much. You, you sort of know how we see eye to eye and when we don't see eye to eye. Just fun getting other people involved. So I will have Tom on a couple more times throughout the, the fall, but uh, here's his debut, at least for 2023. Uh, Tom Stewart here on the Big Sky Breakdown. There's a lot of things that make Montana great. From the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown and a delayed Big Sky Breakdown because we've been doing episodes throughout the summer, but we've been uh, sort of teasing that we'll be having this series of interviews coming up with some of the best players from around the Big Sky Conference. Marshall Martin, uh, All-American tight end for Sacramento State, coming up here on this episode as well. And uh, we'll also hear uh, from Tommy Malad, a a Montana State All-American quarterback as well. We'll also have a series of interviews with various people who cover the Big Sky Conference in various different media roles. So we'll have everything from beat writers to TV people. We get it started off in-house with our guy Tom Stuber. He's done a great job for us the last year or two helping us cover uh, Montana State. And uh, it's been a fun time. Tom's been an off-and-on contributor at Skyline for a while now, but happy to have him on board uh, in a more frequent capacity now these last couple years. 
Tom, I know a lot of our audience knows your background a little bit, but just give people your your sort of sports writing background because you've kind of gone in and out of it, but now you're back in it, and uh, I love that you're back in it. I love how much you're loving it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I it's uh yeah, it's just kind of a long and in and out is a pretty good way to uh, put it. And uh, first off, thanks for having me on. But uh, but yeah, no, I started at the uh, independent record, I guess professionally, if you want to call it that, as a part time uh, you know stringer and going around doing high school stuff and whatnot. And eventually that just kind of evolved into getting down to Bozeman once in a while and then getting over to U of M once in a while. And eventually I just started covering all the home games for MSU. And then I no longer worked at the IR and went to work for the Associated Press and, again, kept covering home games for MSU. And and then that went away, and then you guys came along. So... (laughs) So I've been kind of hanging in there doing, I guess, for MSU. Well, I was 89 when I started at the paper, but I probably got going steadily at MSU in the, you know, steadily in the late or mid-90s or late-90s. And, uh, yeah, and just kind of going from there and just keep finding somewhere else to have or have somebody want me around. So right now it's you guys at Skyline Sports, and I appreciate that for sure. Well, we love having you, and uh, what an interesting arc in terms of your times observing Montana State football. I do think that the history of the Bobcats is is one of the the richest and also sort of just uh, most diverse ones because you talk about a time where, I mean, in the Big Sky Conference era, Jim Sweeney and Sonny Holland and Sonny Lubick, dominant. And then, you know, the national championship in 1984 under Dave Arnold, and then a, a whole bunch of really lean years and several different, uh, you know, average to below average coaches. And then Mike Kramer comes in and he sort of revitalizes it. Uh, but it, it's been this incremental build. But now, these last 10 years, and particularly the last five, I think you could say is the, is the, the best time in Bobcat football since Sonny Holland roamed the sidelines. And, you know, that, that's some 50 years ago when Coach Holland was coaching. So it's taken a long time to get to this point. But what's it been like to watch all of that? I mean, Montana State football has risen to, to great heights these days. Uh, could you ever have imagined that back when you were covering the Cliff Heisel days back in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, no, you you nailed it. And, I mean, yeah, if you want the full spectrum of ups and downs and every kind of different thing that you can experience following a football team, I mean – MSU has been your team, like you said, since Sonny Holland. I mean, there has been. I mean, I think you can even go back further than that, you know. I, but but still, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't know how to encapsulize it in one sentence. But, yeah, you get the you get the full gamut with MSU. And like you said, right now, MSU is doing as well as they've ever done, for sure. Um, they're just, you know, short a uh, national championship, of course. But uh, as, as, uh, as consistent and whatnot, you know, these last – probably four or five years at least have been, you know, in, in terms of being playing well and consistently well. This is kind of the peak for them. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Right down the road. It up. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, this year's Bobcat team. The Bobcats have been knocking on the door the last several years, and I find it a fascinating dynamic because I think Montana State has proven that they're certainly – 
uh, above most of the teams in the country, yet it seems like they're still pretty far away from particularly the top two teams that they've been chasing, and that's North Dakota State and South Dakota State. It, it was striking in 2021 when we were sitting in our I don't even know if you could call it a press box. We were we were sitting in uh, yeah. the front of a bar, basically. <laughs> what the de facto yep. press box was in Frisco. That's a whole different story for a different day. We both wrote scathing emails to the NCAA yeah. for our, our uh, <laughs> not great seats. But either way, uh, but but the striking part, though, on the field was Montana State had one of the nastiest, phys- most physical defenses I've ever covered, and they got straight blown off the ball and gave up like 400 yards rushing to NDSU. And then last yep. year in the playoffs, it was a similar deal. Cats ran it down everybody's throats. They set a school record for rushing, and then they get to Brookings, South Dakota, and they look like they're on skates. Uh, so on one hand, they have made this – they've established this reputation of superiority over the league and most other FCS teams, but they're a long ways away from South Dakota State and North Dakota State. So uh, what do you make of this dynamic? And in your mind, what are the things that Montana State needs to do to close the gap? Yeah, well um... – you know, first off, I guess, you know, it's kind of like a good news, bad news thing for MSU. And I'll, I'll kind of start with the bad news. I mean, the bad news for MSU is this year they've got such a tough road schedule. Last year, their conference opponents were 11 and 33. You know, this year's conference opponents are all in the top 15. Road opponents are all in the top 15 in the nation. And so I think, you know, it, for fans anyway that I hear talking, it's like it's not a good idea to just put all your eggs in that one run game basket. I mean, the MSU run game is really good. Like you said, they got stomped or shut down or whatever against South Dakota state, but they need to have more than that. You know, they need to have, you know, if they, you know, their defense last year in my mind was in the middle of the pack. I mean, in some categories they were, you know, you know, up there higher, but I mean, I always look at yards per carry and yards per pass or pass efficiency and, you know, things like that. And I mean, Mike Kramer, you know, mentioned that to me a long time ago. He says, don't look at total yards and all that stuff. It's yards per play, you know, and if you can keep your yards per play up there in the top three, then, you know, you're probably doing pretty well when you're looking at stats, but yeah, MSU needs to do one of two things. I mean, this year, you know, I'm assuming they will have another good run game this year, but I mean, it it has happened uh, for past teams. I remember the 98 Vikings set the scoring record in the NFL and went 15 and one. And then the next year they started the season two and four. And, uh, you know, things can change really fast in football and all the, all the defensive coordinators in the big sky conference are that are playing MSU anyway, this year, they're all, they've been all summer looking at MSU's run game. And, you know, one of these coaches will figure it out. I mean, that's how football works. Somebody's really good at something and eventually somebody figures it out and everybody copies that. And the next thing you know, you got to reinvent the wheel or whatever. But yeah, MSU has to do one of two things, I think. They have to create a consistent rhythmic passing offense that that they can go to at any time and depend on, you know, a lot more than they, they did last year. Or that defense needs to, you know, jump back up to that 2021 level and, uh, you know, allow you know, the the run game to be even more dominant, I think, when you have a defense like that. So, you know, if they can do both of those things, then to get, yeah, you, your main question is how do they catch up to NDSU and SDSU? Well, do both of those things, <laughs> you know, really, you know, really establish a pass game, you know, and really uh, put a defense out there that can really shut teams down, you know, a number, you know, a top three defense in the big sky, maybe, and a, 
in a past game that, you know, allows your team to be able to do something else besides run because on those four road games, you know, one or two of those teams is going to come out and, uh, you know, maybe not completely shut down MSU's run game, but, you know, hold it down enough so that, you know, they can stay in the game and, and possibly knock the cats off, you know. And plus having those road games too. I mean, even if they are running the ball well, the other team, if the defense at MSU isn't playing well, they're going to find themselves in a two-touchdown hole in the fourth quarter, and they're not coming from behind running the ball. So, again, they got to, I think, to get to that level, they have to have a, a passing game and a defense to go along with this this run game they have. And uh, then, you know, then they'll be cooking. Coulter Nuanas, Skyline Sports, coming to you from the ESPN MT studio here uh, with folks from Blackfoot Communications, including Morgan, who's a marketing representative over there at Blackfoot. How you doing, Morgan? Good. How are you? Very good. So you're from Great Falls, right? Grew up in Great Falls. So yes, how, I did. How long have you uh, lived in Missoula? Oh, gosh. Probably about 12 years now. Went to the University of Montana, graduated, um, worked, and found a job at Blackfoot, and I've stayed. So lucky to be here still. Very, yeah. very good. Uh, how long have you worked at Blackfoot? Just celebrated my sixth work anniversary there. When it comes to your role, just take people through it. Mean, what, what are your, yeah. your main duties there at Blackfoot in terms of spreading the image, spreading the brand? Yeah, I'll try not to get in the weeds too much and, <laughs> and, put, and put you all to sleep, but um, I'm in our, our marketing department. So essentially, I, I work on getting the right message in front of the right people at the right time, as cliche as that sounds, but um, just working um, to make sure that we communicate who we are and what we do and um, get that across to our different audiences. Tom Stuber joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdowns, presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. It's amazing how complete North Dakota State, and now in recent years as well, South Dakota State have been. That They truly are just so superior to everybody. I mean, I think a lot of people are listening and saying, well, how can an FCS team possibly have an elite defense and a top-shelf offensive line and you know great skill? And, and be able to throw the ball and all these different things. But South Dakota State, for example, last year I thought had one of the three best defensive lines in the country, one of the five best offensive lines in the country, a pair of All-American receivers in the Yankee Twins, a second-round draft pick at tight end in Tucker Craft, who's, who uh, went on to, you know, he's playing for the Green Bay Packers. They got another tight end waiting in the wings who's probably going to be their fourth straight guy that gets drafted in the NFL Oh, by the way, one of the best quarterbacks in the in the country in Macronowski, uh, the best running back in my estimation in the entire FCS in Isaiah Davis. So, I mean, you just talk about the talent you have to have to be able to catch NDSU, and the only team that's been able to catch NDSU is SDSU. Uh, so it is striking. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Bobcats, they, they seem to uh, complete. I think one of the biggest strengths the program has right now is they are at the same time able to willing willingly acknowledge what they do well and also willingly acknowledge what they need to do better. And I think that's why you mm-hmm. see the addition of uh, of Ty McCullough and um, Lanyata Alexander and some of these big-time transfer receivers. I think that's why you mm-hmm. see uh, sort of this this emphasis on bringing in pieces in the secondary like John Johnson and, and really trying to be that lockdown team in both the run and the pass. The, the formula is simple for what Brett Vegan wants to do, and he's said this since day one. He says, if we outrush you, and we win the turnover battle, we're going to be tough to beat. But then you're right. When you get to those 
ultimate games at the end, you got to be able to – I don't know if you can beat NDSU, for example, at their own game. I think you do have to have some sort of diversity. That's why I always thought those Eastern Washington teams led by Cooper Cup, Gage Gubrud, Kendrick Bourne, guys like that, I thought those teams actually would have the best shot at beating NDSU. And, I mean, when you look at it, they never got a chance to play NDSU because they lost the semifinals uh, every year before they got to the, the national championship. And then the one time they did get to win the, to the national championship against NDSU, uh, Cooper Cup wasn't there anymore. They were, and they were rolling with a sophomore and Eric Berrier. So, but I do think that the yeah. way you, you take those teams over is to um, – is to, to beat them not at their own game, but maybe over the top in the past right. game, like you're saying. Uh, just oh, in terms yeah. of this Bobcat team now, though, as they, they navigate fall camp, what are some of your favorite storylines? Or I guess what are some of your most important position battles? What are you thinking about just in terms of the specifics of, of how they make these improvements that we both agree they need to make? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news for the Bobcats is is that, you know, especially in the past game, I mean, I think – I mean, I think they got the players in the in the scheme and everything down. Um, and I think other good news, too, for them is that, you know, the reports I'm hearing, at least, you know, Tommy Mallott has shown some significant growth from during spring and already in this camp. So, you know, so that, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it isn't a huge uh, step or whatever for MSU to make from from going where they were last year as a passing team to getting better this year. And like you said, you know, the coaches, you know, they, they don't go and, you know, they aren't out there bragging about the stuff they're good at. They're looking at the stuff that needs work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you mentioned the two transfer receivers and uh, you know, MSU has, you know, I think the, the receiving core itself is, you know, very promising in terms of, you know, the, the athleticism, you know, one of the things that I look at is just the, the overall height, you know, last year MSU was running, you know, Taco Dollar, Willie Patterson around five, nine, you know, out there and they're throwing these deep fade passes to him. And it's like, you know, the, you know, the Willie Patterson would come down with some of the most spectacular catches I've ever seen. And, and some of the most spectacular attempts at catches I've ever seen. And I was just like, if that guy was just a few inches taller, <laughs> You know, about half of the ones that he came really close on, he probably would have hauled down. But uh, this year they got 6'3", and Alexander 6'1", and uh, McCullough, you know, and uh, Cleavon Thomas is around six feet tall. So, uh, you know, I think right there, I mean, that potential is there. And if, you know, if, if Tommy is being more patient like they're talking he is and uh, and willing to hang on a you know another split second for a receiver before taking off. I mean, I think they can make that jump. I mean, I think that's nothing that anybody has to be, you know, totally surprised about. Um, and, uh, you know, if they can do that, I mean, their offense can be even more striking. And like I said, able to come back if they are behind, if, you know, if they're in some kind of shootout or high scoring game, they can, they can keep up that way. So, um, but, you know, offensively, yeah, that I think, you know, the run game, but just healthy running backs is going to be a, a, another thing that really helps uh, a lot in chambers out a bunch because, you know, they can, they can go into a game, not thinking about, I have to run for a big chunk of our run games yardage, <laughs> you know, they can go into a game instead of thinking they're going to, between the two of them, have 20 or 25 rushing attempts, that it's going to be down maybe to 10 or 15, just depending on who they're playing and how the game goes. Um, you know, defensively, I just think that, you know, the one thing I talked to uh, Sebastian Valdez, and the one thing he kept reiterating was, 
you know, that, you know, we've got more experience. These guys, he feels the, the whole defense itself is more experienced, has a lot more knowledge about what they're doing. But he also talked about the fact that, you know, we have to be able to handle adversity better. And I think, you know, last year they got themselves into a couple of really adverse situations because, you know, I think they were maybe overreacting to some of the big plays that they were giving up, you know. And so I think, you know, that experience with games like Eastern Washington and Northern Arizona, especially, were games where, you know, I, you know, I, I got the sense anyway that everybody was looking at each other a little bit and, you know, uh, maybe not staying focused on the job at hand and then just continuing to, you know, have these explosive plays blow up in their face and uh, really gotten a couple of dog fights with a couple of teams that they should have been able to hand, handle pretty easily. So anyway, we'll, you know, uh, time will tell on that. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm looking anyway. The other part I think that's so interesting about this upcoming season is how there's been d- distinctly different narratives each of the last three years for the Bobcats. In coming out of 2019, it was okay. Program on the rise. Jeff Choate has, you know, his his formula is coming to fruition. They pounded their rival multiple times in a row. They got great momentum. They're starting to to climb up the hierarchy of the Big Sky. They won a couple playoff games, and now they're in the Final Four. And uh, uh, the, you know, the the, the future is bright. The sky's the limit. Then you have the pandemic, which just wrecked everything. And then that also then was a, a huge motivator for Choate jumping ship. I mean, he was first in the in the uh, in the mix at Boise State, and they ends up as the defensive coordinator at Texas. And so the narrative coming into Brent Vegan's first season, how how the heck do you replace Choate? Then that narrative gets altered. Well, then that narrative gets emphasized when Mo- when Montana State loses to Montana. Uh, in mm-hmm. in uh, Missoula, and everybody's saying, "Oh man, uh, we needed Choate. We can't beat the Grizz without Choate. Choate's the Grizz killer. This vegan guy, he can't do it." But then Vegan completely erases that thought by going all the way to the national championship game. Well, then last year mm-hmm. the narrative was, "Well, Vegan was f- great in year one, but can he beat the Grizz? And how does he replace Troy Anderson and and you know some of the the great players in school history, Chase Benson, guys like that?" And mm-hmm. uh, he did that pretty flawlessly, won the Big Sky for the first time in 10 years. Now I think the narrative is not about replacing a coach or replacing a star group of players. It's simply, how does Montana State take the next step? I think they know that that's the narrative, though, as well, and they all talk about it. They talk about their expectations. They talk about their goals. And uh, so I guess my question for you, Tom, is how would you just describe what you've observed from Coach Vegan? these first three years and what do you think of a sort of this alteration of narrative uh, and how rapidly they've been able to do that under his leadership? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, I mean, coach vegan just is kind of got that stoic, you know, especially in front of the media that, that kind of bud grant thing where it's like, <laughs> you know, everything's, I've got everything under control. Everything's cool. Don't worry about anything. I know what I'm, you know, you just get this feeling. This guy knows what he's doing. He's totally relaxed. I don't have to, I don't have to yell and scream at anybody or, or anything like that. But then you see him over on the sideline during games and he's almost talking to at least one person every time there's a, you know, a shift change You go from offense to defense or special teams and players are coming off the side of the field and he's way down at the 20 yard line grabbing somebody, either telling them good job or telling them maybe what you want to do next time to make up for that mistake. So, so he's, I mean, he's just kind of a, kind of a sneaky guy that way. I don't know. He's hard to, uh, 
for me to pin down in terms of, you know, just, just what he's doing and where they're going um, a lot of times. But, but the, you know, the bottom line is he just, you know, he seems like a, just a real level-headed guy. He's going to lay it out for you. Here's what we need to do to, to get this to work. And I think the best example of that, I mean, it's a really striking one was the offensive line last year. So everybody's walking into the season, you know, it's going to be five new guys on the offensive line. And what are these guys going to do? And, and uh, I don't know what he told those guys, but for whatever reason, and they all came out or uh, their leader, uh, Justice Perkins comes out and just, you know, he says, well, nobody thought we were any good. So we just went off on our, ourselves into the, into the corner here. And, you know, we decided to prove everybody wrong. And then they came out and totally did that. So, so, I mean, that's another kind of good news thing for the Bobcats is, is okay, that got taken care of last year. So, you know, what are they going to do? You know, <laughs> you can't count them out, you know, like on the pass game, people are saying, oh, they don't have a good pass game. You know, people are saying the defense isn't so hot. So, I mean, I totally expect something to happen there now <laughs> with him in charge, kind of. No, for sure. And and, and it's a great point. And, uh, you know, that's why when I'm analyzing this team, you look across the board, I, I think that they are going to get better at quarterback just because of the, the steadying presence of the two guys that return. They have great tight ends. They have a great offensive line. They have great running backs. They have a bunch of receivers that could be great. So I think the offensive side is pretty good, and, and if they're better than they were last year ever after averaging 42 points per game, they're pretty damn good. Defensively, they have talent up front. They have talent at linebacker. They have talent in the secondary. I do think it's a matter of, of coming together. I wonder how much last year the defense the defense was good at times and, and really prone to giving up big plays at times. But talent-wise, I think that they have good talent. So you wonder how much of it was a transition in defensive coordinator. I'm not necessarily saying Willie Mack Garza is a bad D.C. I just think that Freddie Banks was very, very good. I also think in that defense, having guys like Troy Anderson really help you, not just because of yeah. his physical talent, because of his diversity and ability to, to move all over the place and do so many different things. Like, for example, when they played Eastern two years ago, they just put Troy Anderson in the slot and matched him up on Tololu Limu Jones, who was the best receiver in the league, and Troy just took him out of the game. And it's very rare. to be, I mean, it's not just rare. It's completely unique to have a linebacker that can do that. Um, but when you look at the defense, Tom, I mean, what, what is the next step? I mean, what do they need to do? Is, is it just a matter of honing in and eliminating those big plays, or, or is it a matter of, of getting uh, upgraded personnel? Or where are we at just with the Bobcat defense? What do they need to do to take the next step? Man, I don't know. But, <laughs> but you're, I, mean, I mean, yeah, obviously they have to, you know, those big plays. I think the, big, the problem with the big plays, is you know how they respond to them and i think you know I go back to what sebastian valdez was saying it's like how we handle adversity yeah well when somebody you know breaks off a 43 yard run you know it does rattle your confidence you know it has to and so they have to be able to handle that better um they have to be able to stop it better and you know is it is it talent is it players that were lacking is that why that was happening or was it like you said, just the change in coordinators, change in system. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, <clears throat> the 2021 team gave up some big plays too. But, yeah, uh, man, I mean, I think defensively on the defensive front, you nailed it. They're really good there. Um, I think, you know, linebacker is kind of the area where it's a little more unproven. And that's where they lost, you know, they lost Troy Anderson and then they lost Callahan O'Reilly, who was just a turnover machine a year ago. So, 
you know, who's going to step up there? I mean, and I think they got some good battles going on. They got some, some young guys that just haven't even really gotten any playing time yet that, you know, are going to get a chance now anyway. So, you know, we'll see there um, in the, you know, in the secondary, especially in that NAU game was just, you know, they just got lit up all game long. And, uh, you know, but again, is it, is it just a mat? Is it a mindset where they got to, you know, battle adversity better and, and not, you know, be second guessing themselves after they give up a bad play or is it just, you know, raw talent and, you know, that, that 21 team, you know, Daniel Hardy is another guy that was out there that was, you know, I mean, they've, MSU's got some good defensive ends now, but, you know, Daniel Hardy was, I mean, just what he did after he made a play was impressive. His, his celebration <laughs> dances were like, wow, that guy is a different animal. So, so uh, yeah, you know, I think this year's team isn't going to have a Troy Anderson, isn't going to have a Daniel Hardy probably, but, you know, but what they can have is that, that same kind of unity that, you know, like the offensive line has, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, we got a defensive line, we got a, a row of linebackers and we got a secondary, but can all those guys kind of, you know, just, just be one unit instead of, you know, three separate operating units that when one has a, a breakdown, a different one maybe is trying to overcompensate or something. And that's, that's kind of what I, go to when I hear players say they need to battle adversity. It's kind of like we made a bad play. That guy made a bad play. So now I'm going to cheat a little to help him out. And then that opens up the opportunity for another, you know, huge player, bad play. So I think it's more of a, you know, a, a team unison thing on defense, probably more than anything that can help them, you know, get over the hump. I don't, you know, I just, I don't see a, a Troy Anderson or a, a Daniel Hardy, you know, popping out of the woodwork on this year's team. And so it's going to have to be a, a more solid group effort. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Right down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. The, the thing, the, the, the main credit I would give to Vegan is, is threefold. I, I do think this day and age in college football, the balancing act that occurs between being confident but not being overhyped being uh, aware of what you do well, but also being aware, being able to self-analyze it and, and look at your weaknesses. And, and then I think being able to communicate properly expectations and uh, demand that of your players without having that get in the way in terms of pressure or ego, I think he does all those things well. I also think that the other thing that Vegan does well is he's able to analyze each team within itself. It was so striking being at media day at Montana state and then being at the first day of Grizz practice. I asked Bobby Houck, coach, what's the going to be the identity of this team? What's going to be different about it? And he said, nothing. It's going to be like every Grizzly team we've ever had. We're going to be disciplined. We're going to play hard. We're going to be well coached. We are going to love playing football and we're going to play for each other. And I thought that, I mean, those principles are certainly good, no doubt about it. But I also thought it was so striking and revealing about how much he does not want to change, how much he does not want to be different. 
And I think that's what's so great about Vegan, or I guess what's a great strength of Brent Vegans, is that we asked him a similar question. He said, well, every team's different. I'm not going to know what this team's strengths are and the makeup of this team. I don't know what it's going to be until we get a few uh, weeks into fall camp, until we get a few weeks into the season. His ability to, to analyze that and then adjust to what their strengths are and mitigate the weaknesses, I think that that's a very new age way of doing things, but also a, a very uh, huge advantage that they have over uh, everybody else in the big sky. So um, last couple of things for you, Tom. Tom Stuber here on the Big Sky Breakdown, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Um, this team's picked to win the Big Sky Conference. Uh, I picked them to win the Big Sky. Pretty much everybody else did as well. Uh, the the road schedule is certainly a barrier. You're talking about playing five teams that all could be ranked in the top ten when Montana State plays at their place, uh, including the big one in Brookings in week two. Uh, but then they also open up conference play at Weber State. They're at Sac State this year as well. They're at Idaho this year. And then, of course, they play the rivalry game in Missoula, so certainly uh, going to be uh, a tough test. That said, though, I think that that schedule could do two things for them. One, I think if they had a winning record in that schedule, they're going to be a top four seed, no, no, no doubt. And uh, I think if they, you know, could could get four out of five, then I think they have an inside track at the one seed. I also think, though, regardless of what happens in those games, uh, they're going to be playoff ready because of the schedule mm-hmm. for sure, and maybe as playoff ready as anybody in the country. So, uh, what do you think of just yeah. the expectations Montana State has coming into the year and, and their ability to handle them? Right. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, MSU could go two and three on the road, going to the playoffs as an eight and three team, and, uh, you know, be so, you know, honed and sharpened. I mean, that steel sharpened steel thing would definitely be in play for them. I mean, they could go out there and, you know, not live up to, you know, getting this number one seed or a top four seed. They could not get seeded. And I think, you know, South Dakota State showed that just a couple of years ago, they weren't seeded. They were eight and three, went into the playoffs, had one home game, then went on the road in the second round, won, went on the road in the quarterfinals, won, went on the road in the semis and were down three, I think, at halftime to to MSU. And really a game much closer than the score, you know, it was 31-17, but you know, that, that game could have easily went either way. So, I mean, yeah, I think the Bobcats are a lot like that. At South Dakota State that year lost a lot of really tough games. They lost to South Dakota on the last play of the game with one second left a 60-yard Hail Mary. So, yeah, MSU could go out, you know, go 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three on the road and, and still be a really formidable team come playoff time. Um, you know, the other thing, too, I think that you were talking about Coach Vegan is that, you know, I mean, he tells all the kids, all the guys that, you know, nobody's job is safe. And we're looking for somebody to be better than you are all the time, no matter who it is. And, uh, you know, and I think the players have bought into that, you know, they're kind of like, hey, if somebody's, somebody beats me out, good, that makes the team better. You know, I'm, you know, they're, they're probably not ecstatic about not being a starter anymore, but but at the same time, you know, they, they've gotten the team to buy into, we want this for us, you know, whatever you want for you has to, you know, take a back seat. And I think that that's been one of his strengths as well. Anything else to add about this upcoming season before we let you go? Man, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, everybody needs to kind of take a step back. I hear a lot of fan, I mean, a lot of people think MSU, they got them ranked number three and, and everybody picked them to win the conference. And, 
and all this stuff that I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, that, that could happen. But I mean, even if that doesn't happen, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, for people following MSU, it's just kind of like, you know, you know, don't give up the ship. The, the season doesn't really start until the playoffs get going. And, uh, you know, as long as you're in the playoffs, especially after a schedule they have this year, you know, nothing's off the table. So, I mean, you know, things could go well. And if they don't, you know, things could still end up going pretty well for MSU. So, time will tell. Totally agree. They got it rolling right now. They deserve to be the Big Sky favorites. And uh, I think they're going to definitely make a hard push at yet another Big Sky Conference Championship. It's Tom Stuber. You can find his writings on SkylineSportsMT.com. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, right now during the, uh, I guess, second week of August, we got some stuff coming up, including stories about the uh, those transfer receivers we were talking about, as well as uh, the linebackers and just sort of the, the revamped unit there and a bunch of guys that have great potential that uh, are really eager to, to fulfill that potential. And uh, I'll have some stories coming up as well about the way this team trained in the offseason, about the way they practice and how that gets so many guys ready to roll and just about handling those expectations, plus much more. So check it out, SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Tom, thanks for being here, man. Fun talking. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Coulter. Appreciate it. Hope to do it again sometime. Blackfoot Communications is excited to announce new voice services for small businesses. Paired with our internet services, business Wi-Fi, and technical support, your business can stay connected to your employees, customers, and communities around the clock. Sign up for services in less than two minutes at goblackfoot.com slash more than voice. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is the official digital sponsor of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. 